This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good Thursday morning to you. It's time for MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. I'm Jay White. Coming up on today's show, we'll speak with the co-captain of the Jackson Rugby Football Club, Watson McDavid. Croquet anyone? We'll speak with the only United States Croquet Association certified director in Mississippi, Joe Moore. And also on the program today, Daryl Longabaugh, head coach of women's soccer at Mississippi College, will be on the program to tell us about their new season starting this month, which means yesterday we will be doing it like a Choctaw. That's all coming up on MPB Season Pass, which is coming up right after the news from NPR here on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. All right, welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thanks so much for listening on this Thursday morning. Fun show coming up today. Later on, we'll talk uh, women's soccer. Season about to start at Mississippi College. We'll speak uh, with Daryl Longabow, their coach. Longabow, I think I'm saying, well, I'm just, I'm just going to say it every different way I could possibly say it, and then maybe one of them will possibly be right. And then uh, also we'll speak with Joe Moore a little bit later in the program. He is the only certified director of croquet in the United, in uh, Mississippi, not in the United States. Uh, but he's with the United States Croquet Association. We'll speak with him a little bit later on in the program. Right now we have Watson McDavid in the studio with us, and he's with the Jackson Rugby Football Club. We're going to talk about rugby today. What's going on, man? Thanks for coming in. No, thank, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I just I love this opportunity to talk about our sport because not a lot of people in the South kind of know about it. It's more of an West Coast and Northeast sport is yeah. really popular around there. I think a lot of people have probably spent a decent amount of time watching it on television, probably in awe, because it is a uh, it is an incredibly physical sport, but there is a ton of, of breathtaking athleticism that goes with it and strategy as well. But um, I don't know if, if, if a lot of people know that they have the opportunity to get into it if they want to. Yeah, yeah and a lot of people, when they, especially we, when we're recruiting, um, football players, as soon as we say no pads, are like, nope, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and, but it's a lot different than football. The tackling, you can't just shoulder charge someone at their legs or at their upper body. You have to make a controlled attempt to tackle so you don't get those kinds of hits. Also, there's no forward passing, so you don't have to worry about getting blindsided and laid out by a safety or linebacker because there's no forward pass. So you know the hit's coming. And you can prepare for it. Also, there's no downs involved, so there's no need to fight for that extra yard. You you can just go ahead and take it down and reset. That way, you, you know the the physicality gets blown out of proportion. It's not as violent as football. 
there's rare injuries. You're more just really, really sore the next day. Yeah. So that's a great way to put it, that it's it's not as violent, although it is extremely physical. Uh, and, and that's uh, very important. But if you will, tell us about right, when people tune in and they see one team advancing from left to right or maybe, and then they, they turn it over and the other team goes right to left. What 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 is the point of what they're doing and how are they going about doing it? Because you said, you know, it's not like football where you get downs and so you don't have to worry about that. And I think that's with, uh, the way a lot of people are kind of programmed to think maybe. So what are you guys doing when you're trying to advance the ball? Basically, um, you're, you're constantly running at the line. Imagine the line of scrimmage. And you're just trying to break one because unlike in football where once a pass is made or the running back gets the ball, everyone goes after that one guy. Mm -hmm. You can't do that in rugby because if you go after that one guy, they're just going to pop it out to the next guy. He's gonna, there's going to be an opening. So it's a line defense. And basically when they're going, you see them going down the line, they're just looking for that opening, that hole to pop up, someone to make a mistake. And they'll just keep trying keep trying because there's unlimited downs. Eventually one will break. And then you got opening and you can score. Or possession's really important, unlimited downs. You just slowly move down the field. Eventually you're going to punch one in. And it, in rugby it's called a try, which mm -hmm. is the same thing as a touchdown. Yeah. And uh, one different thing is there's still a conversion kick afterwards, but it's worth two points. And the actual try or touchdown is worth five points. So you still have similar scoring to football. It just the difference is – five and two also one thing i think the nfl should do it this way with the extra points wherever you score in the try zone which like the end zone if i score on the left far left side yeah they have to kick within line of that they can back up as far as they want but you have to back, you have to kick on that line so it's preferred to score in the middle yeah opposed to the outside that adds to the strategy yeah yeah all right so from the from the defensive point of view, what what is the goal? You mentioned unlimited um, downs, essentially, or unlimited plays to try to get a try. So, what is the what is the defense's what, what is the goal for them? How do you get the ball back? Essentially, it's very similar to offense. You're waiting on that mistake, a drop pass, or a penalty, something to cause that turnover. Also. If you go too far to the left and right on offense and you get pushed out of bounds, unlike in football, it's a turnover in rugby. Wow. Yeah. So, so you want to avoid that um, out of bounds line. Uh, defense, you're just waiting on that mistake. Or you slowly push them back until they panic and make a mistake. Uh, there's some sim similarities. Um, there's a 22 line, which is similar to the 20-yard line. Typically, offenses, when they're behind that line, tend to punt it out. Except for it's just live. They just punt it out so they can get more of a field possession because you don't want to get pushed back just like in football. Yeah. Um, defense is a lot different in the fact of, like I was saying, you don't all charge one guy with the ball. It's a You count the guys that are on the outside and count in and make sure you got your man and once they switch, you switch with them. So it's like a zone man kind of deal. I, I know that probably doesn't sound good on radio. but No, I mean, I understand what you're talking about. You're talking about strategy right there yeah. defensively. Um, offensively, are there are there teams that like to play uh, a faster tempo or try to play more slow and more physical? Or some teams try to use more finesse, so to speak? 
Um, yes, you basically, for our level of play, and a lot of countries, their level of play is based off the players you got. Sometimes your back line, which is more your running backs, your wide receivers, and your quarterback, uh, they, they more tend to give it to them because that's the where they're strong at. Then some other teams, on the other hand, have a ton of physical big guys who can run the ball. They'll tend to give it to their pack guys, which is your offensive line, your defensive line, your tight ends kind of players. And it, it just varies from different teams. Um, on offense, a bigger team will typically use pod system, which is one guy who's going to receive the ball with two other guys. Since you can't block for them, what you can do is you can help push them through once he makes contact, and that's what happens when a bigger guy catches the ball, he runs into contact, and two other guys are kind of pushing them yeah. through that line, which sometimes can start a maul, which a maul, you, you might hear that a lot of times in NFL, they will call it, oh, there's a there's a scrum, you know, yeah. which is totally incorrect. <laughs> I hate it. It drives me up the wall whenever I hear it. It's that would be a mall in rugby. Actually, it's where two guys like hold each other up. Well, what happens? Both sides of the team will start pushing their one guys, those two guys, until either the defense stops the team with the ball, or eventually it falls down, and. That's where the typical of your bigger teams, they will try to start malls because they usually they can push through and end up scoring through that way. Now, you are with the uh, Jackson Rugby Football Club. I see on your jersey here since 1974, so that's a long time now. How do you guys go about uh, recruiting players? Typically, uh, we'll start trying to recruit players through events like this or special events um, Mississippi has where we can set up a booth. Um, find them first uh, we would go have a booth through that way also we meet up with other uh, similar clubs like the Mississippi Roller Derby Club here we have a kind of joint efforts help recruit because we're similar we're not very known we both travel yeah um, a lot of times it's just by meeting people just sitting outside and just having to start a conversation, oh, I'll play rugby. Oh, I've been wanting to play that, you know. Also, they can look us up on the web, www.jackson-rugby.com, mm-hmm. and just go to new players and contact myself. under new, My email's on there, and I will get with you and talk to you. Anyone that wants to come out, we practice on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6 to 8. We own our own complex. We have two fields. We have stadium lights. We we have a lot of good alumni or old boys is what we call them. Yeah, and we're very well funded. Uh, we would we are. Re- it sounds like it. If you got your own facility, dog on. Yeah, <laughs> it takes a lot of time, but you know, it's a it's a culture. Um, that's how I kind of got. I didn't know anyone in Jackson, and I just ran into one and just ran, went out and started playing at a practice and. They taught me how to play, and now I'm teaching new players how to play. So it's easy sport. Everyone can start learning. Just All you have to do is come out to practice. You said you guys travel to play. Is it out of state most of the time? Are there other clubs in Mississippi? Uh, there is MSU, Ole Miss, and Southern Miss. They have collegiate teams. Uh, it's a club team, not mm-hmm. NCAA. And Mississippi Gulf Coast, which uh, I believe is in Biloxi, they also have a team. Other than that, we're the only two Mississippi clubs. Mm-hmm. Typically, we 
play against Birmingham, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Mobile, Pensacola. There's just about any semi-major city has a team. You just probably don't know about it. And all our games, uh, it's split. We'll travel half and have half home games. Okay. So for folks who want to come watch... Uh, how do they? Uh, yes, you mentioned uh, you know website or you have social media things like that, so they can connect with the club. Maybe come watch uh, watch some games. Uh, yes, our schedule is going to be on our website. We haven't posted our new one because we're still finalizing it. Um, our schedule will be on there. Typically, our games at one or two o'clock, and everyone's welcome. We always have a social after the game, which is an unwritten law. You must provide like food for the visiting team. And that's one of the part of the culture of it. Like, I might not like you during the game, but then afterwards we're best friends <laughs> yeah. and we get along great. Well, that's awesome. What, what is the season uh, typically for you guys? Typically, it, the Olympic sport that a lot of people saw, which was seven on seven, that's during the summertime from May to August, maybe late, I mean, early September. And then the rest is 15th season which is 15 versus 15, that typically goes from September all the way to April. And what, what's the di- I mean, how much in strategy is the difference between the, the 7 and the 15? That's, that's, that sounds like a really big difference to me. It, it, it is because you're still playing on the same field. Um, the time's difference, only 7-minute halves, 14-minute games, and 7-on-7, seven seven, which is in the Olympics. 7-on-7, seven seven, you want your athletes. You want your fastest guys out there even though it's only seven minutes it is a lot of sprinting you're sprinting the (laughs) whole time you're out of breath um during tournaments sevens tournaments like by the end of the day you're you're just worn out um it's a lot more fast pace because if the field's wide open it's only seven guys meanwhile the 15s it's slower and a little more contact. Yeah, a little more prodding. I, it's, it sounds like, the 7-on-7 seven seven sounds like uh, we have a, an eight-man high school classification, and it's on the same size fields, and oh, man, think foot, think it's it's kind of like a pinball version of football. You miss a tackle, it's over with, miss a block. I, got, I mean, it, yeah, it's it, it's it's uh, very unforgiving for for the, the few players that are on the field. Sounds the same. Oh, uh, it Exactly. You make one mistake, that's it's a score. Like, yeah. And that's typically how it goes. And as far as USA rugby goes, we're similar to soccer. Like We're a little behind on everyone else because they don't have football or they don't play baseball. But when it comes to sevens, because the United States just fields athletes. There's athletes everywhere. Yeah, We have a really good sevens side that we typically are in the top eight. Like We're very competitive. In the seventh side, meanwhile, the 15s, we still got a lot of work. <laughs> but we're, we're making progress. The USA side is. And sevens, we, we win a lot of tournaments, actually. Very good. I'm going to have yeah. to check that out now. Very intrigued. Uh, Watson McDavid, thanks so much for coming in, man. We really do appreciate it. Uh, thank, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And uh, when we put this uh, episode up, uh, we'll have some more information about uh, the Jackson Rugby Football Club. Very interesting stuff. All right, we'll take our first break here. And when we come back, we'll speak with the only United States Croquet Association certified director in Mississippi, Joe Moore. Also, later on, Daryl Longabow. Longabow, I say, I'm going to say it. Longabow. Okay, thank you. The head coach 
at uh, Mississippi College for Women's Soccer. Their season starts up this month. That's all coming up on MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Patrick Price. I am Jay White, Liz Gill. Also, she's uh, having to escort guests in and out at the same time while having to try to uh, engineer the show, which is fun. All right. Coming up right now, we have uh, Joe Moore. He is the only certified croquet director by the United States Croquet Association in the state of Mississippi and works here at the Jackson Country Club here in town. Joe, thanks for coming on. How's it going? Oh, it's going good, man. Um, man, that the only... <laughs> the only certified director yeah. in the state of Mississippi. How'd, how'd you go about uh, getting that certification? What what made you want to uh, go ahead and go into doing that? Well, uh, what made me want to go into doing it, it's like a, basically it's like a dream come true. I mean, I just never imagined me being a head director of a sport. You know, like for me coming from playing football from high school, who would ever guess that I'd be a croquet director? Yeah. So... Uh, just to start my story off, um, at first I was just a bartender at the club. And when they just started, when they built the croquet court, I used to bring drinks. I was the, the bartender on call to bring drinks out there to them. So I'm bringing drinks, and I'm just looking at the sport, and it's something new to me. I'd never seen it before, didn't know what it was, and I'm just watching it. And while, I, while I'm watching it, it reminds me more of pool. And I'm a pretty good pool player myself. And so, therefore, uh, I just gave someone a little small suggestion. They went on with it, and so enough, it worked. <laughs> and so everyone looked at me like, have you done this before? Have you, what's, 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 what, what should I do next? I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just gave you one suggestion. Yeah. Okay, so next two weeks, my GM, he pulled me to the side and asked me to come to his office and I'm coming to his office. He had me close the door, and I'm thinking that something. <laughs> I'm about to get fired. Yeah. yeah. Well, what did I do? <laughs> so he uh, closed the door, and he was telling me that he heard uh, good things about me and my suggestion in croquet, and he believed that I would be a good fit to become the director. So, therefore, I accepted it, and he sent me down to Palm Beach. I got my certification and learned all the rules. And while I'm doing it, it's like everything just came natural to me because it's just – it's. Like I said, it's more like pool, and I just put it together, and I guess it just came natural to me. All right, so what I, I think a lot of people have, have probably tried to play the sport or have goofed around with it in some form or another, uh, and I think a lot of people are just like, okay, I'm going to slam this ball through that little hoop out there that's smashed into the ground, but there's yeah. way more to it than that. If you could give us like a, I don't know, like the 10,000-foot view of, of how to play the game, and, and, and 
you know, the, like the strategy you were talking about a minute ago? Okay. Um, well, there is lots of strategy to it. I mean, most people just want to just have fun and play to just come out, have a cocktail, and just hit around. But if you're mostly serious into it, their strategy, like uh, the four colors of the game is blue, red, black, and yellow, where blue and black are a team and red and yellow is a team. So therefore, if the colors is blue, red, black, and yellow, that's the the order of play. Mm-hmm. So if blue goes first and red hits after, and so if red has a good setup shot, then black ball, your partner would want to hit red ball out the way so blue ball could be still set up for that good shot. And hopefully that yellow ball behind black ball won't come by and hit blue out the way. So therefore, it be blue turns to play, and he'll be the first one through the wicket. Very interesting. Now, mm-hmm. is there uh, is there strategy in uh, like who you play first and who you allow to hit second, or is there uh, is there um, is that depending on how you want to play it? Well, yeah, uh, there is strategy in it. Um, Let's see if you're playing partners. That's two on two. Uh, I would say let your let your your most strongest player go second. Mm-hmm. Because if you let your strongest person go second, and an amateur player come up comes first, take a shot. Your strongest player afterward will have more skill and more strategy to come along and try to clear things up. Folks can go buy a croquet set for under $20. Of course. Uh, how are some ways the USCA suggests you learn how to play? Well, uh, some few ways to learn how to play. Uh, I would say, for one, you can go to like your closest Walmart or Target and get your indoor court. I mean, like, like not as in a court, but like a croquet set. So basically, you'll be able to know the fundamentals of a swing because it's more like a pendulum and you're only moving your shoulders you're keeping your wrist lock and your elbows lock to have a perfect straight line swing um, if you get that you'll practice a little bit with your fundamentals at home um, it's going to be a little different coming out into an actual croquet court because of the, the green how greens have breaks and different turns in it but uh, to start off yeah the indoor croquet set will be a best thing to start with. So that's very interesting because I already I just already learned something right there. So the the when you're playing on a green, it's not necessarily a flat surface or something like that. No, no, no. It's more mainly golfers will understand because uh, it's just like a golfing green. Yeah, it has your breaks, it has slope. It's supposed to be a flat surface, but it's gonna have like a little six inch slope in it. Yeah, it's because of the rain and, and everything else. But yeah. I tell people when new people come out to my court and just play, I just tell them, hey, just just start hitting around first so you can be able to get your muscle memory down, know how hard to hit the ball, how soft to hit it, how much of a backswing you need, and everything else. So uh, when uh, PGA comes to town and they come to the country club there, (laughs) uh, I I would imagine that's a busy time. How, How many people do you get that that wonder by and uh kind of inquire about the sport well um this is our third year going on to be our fourth year with the pj and uh our second year that's when we had our croquet court and everyone all the pj players pulling up and they thought that that was their 
putting their green. practice green. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, they're looking on the bus like, oh, that's where we're going to. And I'm like, no. And so I had to let them know, no, this is a croquet court. This your putting green is out back. <laughs> so, yeah, they all thought that. But hopefully this year I can um, get some of the PGA players to play a little croquet. I don't know, man. That might, you know, th- those guys are perfectionists. That might drive them crazy, especially if somebody is uh, uh, giving them the business right there at first and showing them how things work. If a group wanted to start a club or someone wanted to join a club and, mm-hmm. and play, um, how would they go about doing that? Are there are there multiple places in Mississippi? Do you guys interact with some of the other places that may play? Well, uh, yes, there's, um, there's actually another club, um, Pinehurst. In Pinehurst, Mississippi, uh, it's a, basically a family-owned croquet court, but it'd be open on certain days to the public for anyone that wants to come out and play. Um, let's see. You can also get in contact go online with the USCA, mm-hmm. and they'll let you know about different, your closest croquet court nearby you and also your closest uh, director nearby you also. Um to be able to have a group play. Like I said, just go to USCA, find out which court is closest to you, and be able to just contact them. They'll have the information down on, on the Internet and contact them and let them know what you want to do, and they'll get right with you. Absolutely. How how difficult was it to get the certification? Well, it was not not that too much difficult. Um, it's just the whole It's just the whole process of, of just waiting and being able to just sit and learn and it's just so much actually it's a lot of rules and you just it's trying to be able to absorb it all like a sponge yeah so very good I, my producer Liz reminds me that uh, every time she sees the game everybody is wearing white in fact you are right now is that a requirement <laughs> of the of the game yes it is a requirement of the game uh, don't get me started on the history of that that goes way back before <laughs> my time so I'm still trying to do a little bit more history on that but yeah that is requirement of the game alright so no Andre Agassi we know that gotcha okay well man uh, this is awesome thank you so much for your time incredible most story most you know uh, just a, a, a bartender yeah. uh, bringing drinks hey why don't you try this right here and it works and now you are the only certified uh, croquet instructor in uh, the state of Mississippi by the USCA. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Moore, thanks so much for dropping by today. Glad to be here. Absolutely. All right, we'll take a break now. When we come back, we're going to speak with the head soccer coach at Mississippi College, women's soccer coach at Mississippi College, and uh, their season starts this month. Daryl Longabo, when we come back, this is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thanks for listening on this Thursday morning. Now with us, Daryl Longabaugh, the head women's soccer coach at Mississippi College. Uh, the Choctaws start their season this month. Coach, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for being in the studio with us this morning. Thanks for having me. Um, you are uh, the head women's soccer coach at Mississippi College, and I was just talking with you during the break here. Uh, 20 years with the school now, right? 20 years as the head women's soccer coach. So you've seen a lot of things change and come and go, so to yes. speak, in the city of Clinton and on the campus as oh, well. Yeah. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So um, the one of the most interesting things, and I'm just it's just because I'm personally fascinated with uh, the job that the coaches at MC have in this transition from Division Three to Division Two, and it's I'm mostly fascinated about how it affects the coaches in different sports mm-hmm. in different ways. There are some sports that have a ton of players, and you have to have a huge roster. There are some that are, you know, far less, and so I'm I'm interested in you know how that affects recruiting and things like that and your budget. So. <laughs> <laughs> if there was one to begin with and how that changes, I don't know. I'm not going to no, leave you hanging on a hook right there. No, but no, 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 a little understand. bit about that transition to Division II. Uh, you know, when we were Division III, um, we had a we had a pretty good team as it was. Uh, we were always, always in the conference tournament. Uh, I think we had a stretch of nine years in a row going to the conference tournament and, and whatnot. But um, as we made the transition, uh, myself and the coaching staff – uh, sat down and we discussed how we were going to approach it, and we all, as coaches, approach things a little differently in our in our sports and and just our personality wise. But we decided that we were going to go after you know three or four big transfers or three or four international players as quickly as possible mm-hmm. to to give ourselves with what we had um, because I thought we had some Division two players already enrolled already in the school and uh so we did that and then there were other other programs who little by little added players um but we we overpaid for players in the beginning um Mm -hmm. now looking back only a couple of them i would have you know maybe a little bit less money but there was we were right on the money with several of them but uh it was a transition that we we went from a smaller roster to an even bigger roster yeah, um, and part of that reason that I feel is if a young lady wants to come to Mississippi College, she wants to do everything we ask her to do. She wants to be a part of a program. Uh, I have no problem with her doing that and being and offering her a spot. Now we can only take X amount of players because of the finances standpoint and and the the amount of time I can actually give her. Um, but you know, we we decided that. We were going to have a little bit larger roster. Um, we were going to go after some players, some big players, fast as we could. And uh, and it, the first year was kind of an eye opener. Uh, we had four division, four legitimate division two players on the field, and uh, the rest were former division three players. And we did, we still had a winning season though. Wow, and that was the first year we actually played in the GSC and. And the girls worked their tails off and really did some – we had some great, great things. So. You mentioned the GFC, the Gulf South Conference, uh, which the school has a, a ton of history with from mm-hmm. the past and now going back again. Um, I, I know in other sports, um, the GSC, man, that's, that is a – worst-case scenario league to try to, like, reintroduce yourself into Division Two. Is that the case with women's soccer? 
it is uh, it is because we've got this year we'll have 14 teams, 14 women's teams wow. that, that we've yeah. got to face in conference. So we open the year in on the road against a couple of teams out of the Sunshine State in Florida um, and one out of Georgia. But uh, then we're jumping straight into conference play, and every game counts. Every game means something when you start conference play. And when you're playing 14 games, you know, 13 games of, of conference play, that's – that's pretty harsh. That's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. And the, the men on the other side, they don't have nearly as many because there are some programs that still just have women's. They haven't developed the men's program yet. So we have a few more that we have to go after and, and a little bit harder for us at times because that's a long season playing two games in a weekend against some very hard competition, very physical aspect. And that's a big jump too. Division three, it wasn't nearly as physical. The, the physical contact, the shoulder charges, the strength of the girls um, has improved in Division II uh, over Division III, and, and we, have to, we have to coach that way. We have to find the, the way to do it, and, and I have to give a shout-out to our, our strength and conditioning coach, Michael Shoemaker. He's done a fantastic job with the kids getting stronger. So uh, it, it's, it is tough. It is tough to get into the uh, Gulf South, and I, I, you know, I would want to be the football team, I can tell you that. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's one of those things. But I, I'm intrigued. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm 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 really intrigued by um, the the jump in. I, I, I don't want to necessarily say talent level, but maybe I mean just like you mentioned, the physicality in play, maybe the speed in play. I mean, I, I know how that thing, the line that can be drawn between uh, you know classifications like D two mm-hmm. and D three mm-hmm. and. You know, Division One or whatever in sure. other sports is—is is it the same in soccer? Is how you mentioned you already had you know four Division Two caliber players on your team, so that that tells me that either there are a lot of those or it's hit and miss in how some coaches can identify skill sets, and so maybe it's and in, in, in if you have a guy like yourself that can identify those skill sets and you can bring those players on. Then the line is not so. It's not. It's not so clear. I guess I sure, should say. Sure. No, I, well, speaking of hit and miss, we hit and miss too. Mm-hmm. Um, we we see kids that are the are, are players that we see that we think can develop into a stronger, faster, uh, smarter player, and that's what the biggest difference is. Not only from Division Three, but from high school club uh, soccer teams that we recruit from. The, the college game is faster, it's more physical, and it is, you have to be a smarter player. Not necessarily smart as in, hey, I've got a you know, perfect score in the SATs or the ACTs. It's a smart player that thinks quickly on their feet. Yeah. And so that's, the, that's one of the huge steps that we had to deal with. And they're more uh, athletic. Players are so much more athletic in Division Two, just like in Division One. There's so much more athletic there. Yeah, uh, but we do hit and miss. I mean, we've we've seen kids that we think, oh, this is, I like her skill set. I like what she's got. She's physically, she's, you know, she's, you know, let's just say she's five eight. She's strong. She's quick. But then maybe it just she never develops into it after after she gets there. Maybe, you know, she has. Um, a rough time getting started. Uh, the quickness of the game may be too too quick for her. Sometimes it just it happens, and but uh, you know then there's other times where we 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 don't think we're getting a great player, and you know we had a 
a young lady who we had walk on a couple of years ago who's you know last year earned a scholarship and then you know she led the team in scoring yeah <laughs> so i mean you know it's you don't always hit you don't always identify the great ones but it's easy to identify the great ones right sure you know you yeah. can always see the the greatness but every coach can see that it's like you said trying to find the one or two kids that you know a lot of coaches are passing over because of whatever but you see something in them and I think my coaching staff does a fantastic job of identifying those players too. With the number of schools that there are uh, in Division One, much less mm-hmm. you know Division Two, also it's it's fascinating uh, to I mean just <laughs> there's so many players and there's so many coaches and there's so many schools. It's it's fascinating how um, each different school and coach goes about um, identifying players getting to players getting to see players and learning their skill sets and and having to you know figure out if this is what we want to do and how they piece their their roster together that's i mean i mean it's the lifeblood of your job but that's just i mean that's a it that's is. a fascinating uh thing and i know it, it's it and in soccer specifically unlike let's say basketball or football which the high school games are uh, I don't want to say far more developed, but the following of it and the distribution mm-hmm. of information mm-hmm. uh, and the clamoring for that mm-hmm. information <laughs> is uh, is a is a far more easily findable thing, right. unlike soccer necessarily, and and how you have to go you know put in the legwork to find those players and those skill sets. How, how do you go about setting that up when each recruiting cycle starts over? Uh, wait, yeah. I'll tell you, I, you know, Anson Dorrance is one of the reasons why we now have to focus ourselves three or four years ahead of where we need to be. So in other words, we're looking at kids that are sophomores and freshmen in high school, that age. We're looking at them because some of those kids are committee and to, to Division One, So we've got to get on the, those kids because those kids want to make a decision before their senior year. Yeah. They want to now, it, instead of your senior year, you're talking about junior year. But back to your real question is, is it has changed from actually going to visit games. When I was single and first started on the job, I was on the road five, six days a week. Yeah. Driving out to a game, coming home. Four hours out, four hours back. Now... We've got the information via the internet. We also have videos coming into us almost on a on a daily basis of five or six a day, and you're trying to you're trying to just soak it all up. and And the international game now you're talking about a whole, right. because it's a global sport. Because there are so many women's varsity game teams in the country in college level, the quality athletes that you need for that. Is, is not nearly as many. So you have to go overseas. You have to go to England, which is where we like to get a lot of players. We just picked up a girl this year coming in um, from New Zealand. Uh, so we, we reach out to all over the place to find players that, that one or two kids that are complete difference makers that can come in and, and not only add to us on the field, but add to us in the locker room, add to us off the field, that bring a different style of, of life and what they've done in their life and where they're from, their culture, to these kids that are that are also in the locker room. So it's really, it's fascinating to 
sit at the desk and watch videos for you know three fourths of the day. <laughs> right. And, and Coach so, Jones, if you're listening, that's videos of of recruits. Not, absolutely, not <laughs> absolutely. Sometimes those are on YouTube. Yeah, no, they, and we we get them a lot. <laughs> I promise you. All right. So let me ask you for the for the players who are uh, uh, the domestic players. Let's say, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. what kind of a uh, what kind of an atmosphere do we have in Mississippi for the game? Uh, is do you do you work the high school scene a lot? Is it and you know Liz asked me you know to 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 mention club soccer. I mm-hmm. say tremendous tremendously huge thing in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Is that where you get your in with a lot of the players or get to see a lot of you know what they offer and what they can do as opposed to the high school game necessarily? Or how do you approach that? More than more than likely, we're going to find them through the clubs. Now, most of those those kids play high school soccer anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the ends that we have, um, you know, back when we were Division Three, and I was single, I coached club teams also. So I was able to, you know, I, I went to all these tournaments. I saw all these kids. Now that I have a family and a wife and, and I'm a little bit older, I, I my my assistant coaches, like last year, uh, Jordan Beadle and, and Adam Johnson, they did a fantastic job of, of finding the players and seeing the players because they were coaching at that in those clubs and and being out there and and I've got friends that that also coach that will say hey you need to take a look at this kid uh, I think she's right up your alley I think she's what you want yeah um, and we'll we'll go out and and take a look at them and but mainly club now we'll find a few high school players but more than likely those high school players are playing club yeah um, and if that's and that to me that's a if you want to play at the level we're playing at that's where you need to be playing in the off season. You can still play high school, no problem with that. I, I still go to high school games and watch the kids play because I want to be supportive of them and, and let them know that we want them. It doesn't matter whether it's a high school game or a, a club game, we still want them. And uh, so, you know, we do both. But if you want to play at our level, you need to be playing club ball. Very and, important. Yes, it is very important because you get more touches in the ball. Um, you you play more. The game is the greatest teacher in itself if you pay attention. Yeah, and uh, and some kids really soak it up, and some kids just want to play to have fun. So right, and I'm okay with that. If they want to come and be a part of the program, kids like that 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 uh, want to be with us, I'm all for it. I'll get I'll I'll train you just like I train everybody else, and I'll give you the exact same chance to get on the field as I give everybody else. Yeah. Final question. Sure. Um, I know for for Mississippi College, not not necessarily unlike other schools but i know you know specifically at mc campus life is a big deal mm-hmm. and uh, your players being plugged into the many different things that they offer um and and uh, the the i mean mc being a baptist school and the, and the you know their faith being tied into everything that's a big deal mm-hmm. at mississippi college and um moving from D3 to D2, I'm not saying wins and losses weren't important before, but now uh, there's there's more, more money involved. It's more a more pressure. expensive game, yeah. and mm-hmm. like you say, it's more, there's more pressure. And so how do you juggle that? How do the players juggle that? That's, that's a difficult question, I know, and it's probably not easy to answer, but I'm just – I'm intrigued by – you know, the, the the student life thing is, and everybody says, oh, man, student life is so important. But at Mississippi College, a place where yeah, I, sure. I attended or tried to for about 20 minutes, uh, <laughs> that it is a really, really big and important deal. I, we want our kids involved as, as much as they want to be involved. Um, there's 
there's two there's two things that I tell them. Uh, number one, your grades are the most important. Mm-hmm. When you get here, uh, yeah, of course, your faith is most important overall in your life. But when you get to MC, you still that's still important. Faith is still important because that's going to guide you through your life, period. You're going to grow in that faith and everything, and MC does a great job with that. Secondly, is going to class and getting your grades because soccer will teach you lessons, may get a few of you into uh, you know professional ranks maybe, hopefully. We'd love to have that happen. But most important is that academic side of it because that's what propels you the rest of your life. You know, if you're going to get F's all through school, but you're just going to, or you're just going to barely pass, you're not going to be prepared after after college life. Yeah. And uh, and then finally, uh, soccer. Now everything else after that, <laughs> get involved in. Do as much as you can. Be involved as much as you can because we want you to be involved because that is part of college. You know, being on the debate team or whatever. But understand, you came to MC. For whatever sport you play, yeah, you came to play that sport. Your social club is soccer. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it is. They're <laughs> they're they're with each other so much, right? And your best friends come off of that. Ninety percent of your best friends are going to come off of the sport. Um, but the other thing too, though, is um, as an athletic department as a whole, I mean, we want to enhance that educational experience not only for the student athletes but for the campus as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know and. We want to develop these kids, not only spiritually, but socially and emotionally, physically. Uh, we want them to develop, and, and, that, and that's kind of with the Division Two model, right? The, yeah. the, the, um, the live and learn or the learn and develop you know, type mentality from Division Two, and, and I think our athletic department and our coaches uh, do a fantastic job of that. Um, so, When does the season start? We report on August the 12th, so, you know. Girls, I hope you're still running and being, getting in shape. <laughs> first got, game? You got about uh, a few days? Yeah. Uh, our first game is, our real first game is August 20th. We're going to play at Traceway Park. Uh, the Magnolia Cup, which is the Bria Club, mm-hmm. is putting on a, the Magnolia Cup, which is a, is a soccer tournament. And we're going to play on the Sunday afternoon uh, to kind of help with their you know tournament and maybe get the kids excited about college soccer. And, uh, and then we play our alumni and Alumni, if you're listening, please come in shape this year. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't allow 12 people on the field at a time. Gauntlet's been thrown down right there. <laughs> you play any games, uh, Robinson Hale? Mm-mm. Okay. Everything's at home at, at uh, on MC's campus mm-hmm. and uh, and on the road, of course. But, uh, yeah, everybody needs to come out. The, the girls, we play a fantastic brand of soccer. We love to possess the ball and move the ball. And then, of course, score at the end. But uh, Sure. You know, and uh, plus, you know. The girls are just they they put their hearts in it. Yeah, every every one of them put their hearts in everything they do, and and you know I, I love this group. Absolutely, hey, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me. All right, Enjoyed that's it. Uh, Coach Daryl Longabaugh. Longa Longa Longabaugh. Longabaugh. There you go. Why do I keep wanting to say bow for some bow. reason? In the first segment I said it eighteen different <laughs> ways, so I could just cover all my vowels and swa sounds and everything else. So nah, I apologize. No worries. No I'm worries. An idiot. All right, uh, we'll take one more break, and then uh, we'll wrap up the show here. You're listening to MPB Season Pass on Think Radio.
To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. I'm Jeremy Hobson. Wildfires continue to burn in Montana in what some are saying is the worst fire season in years. There are so many fires that the money allocated to fight them is running out. And this comes as state officials are dealing with a budget shortfall. Now they're turning to the federal government for help. That story next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MBB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thanks for listening on this Thursday morning. Great time had today. Three guests in studio. Uh, good stuff. A couple of things we want to let you know about before we get out of here. Columbus Speedway, Friday night, 8 p.m. Uh, they're hosting the Mississippi State Championship Challenge for super late model stock car racing. Uh, and so that would be a lot of fun to go see. Probably be loud. I uh, lived in Byram for a short time in my life. There is, uh, there may or may not be a uh, racetrack very close by. And uh, let's just say when the races were going, we knew about it. Also, there is a, uh, uh, the Bikes, Blues, and Bayous bike ride is going on uh, Saturday, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. We had the guys from Indian Cycle Fitness on, was it last week or two weeks ago? Well, I can't, yeah, my brain is gone. Uh, that'll be at the corner of Front Street and Howard Street in Greenwood. It's the biggest bike ride in Mississippi. Features a flat, fast course with 11, 20, 46, and 62-mile rides. And you can see legendary rest stops uh, and hospitality along the way. And there's a post-race party. So there you go. That's worth it. Um, uh, my apology for blowing up Coach Longabaugh's name about 13 times. I wish my name was more difficult to say so that people could uh, mess it up and I would feel better. Like I wish in exchange for me messing up other people's names – People could mess up mine, but it's just Jay White, which is really easy to say. It's not hard at all. So I guess I'll just have to deal with it. So this will be on our website, mpbonline.org. And hey, we want you to subscribe to our podcast. We would really love you to do that. Uh, Go to mpbonline.org forward slash season pass. There's a purple button that says subscribe. If you click it, it'll get you started to have a season pass at your fingertips whenever you'd like or all the time. I don't know who'd want that, but uh, we certainly do appreciate our guests today. Uh, And um, again, mpbonline.org. We'll be back next Thursday at 10 for MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. Thanks for listening.